I'm home from the Appalachian Trail, and my days are filled with doctor's visits, one after another, oncologist, breast surgeon, radiologist. I'm also on the phone a lot, building my team. Mostly it's strangers or people on the periphery of my life who I know only in passing, a friend of a friend who saw my announcement on Facebook that I have breast cancer. You can't imagine how good it is to talk to people who've been through this and are willing to give me the nasty details. Still, I cry constantly now. Why this? Why now? Why me? But it's beautiful in St. Paul, perfect summer weather, and my only escape from the unrelenting fear of the unknown is to get out in it. I bike, I swim, I kayak, I climb, I walk, sometimes one activity after another until I'm utterly exhausted. To say I'm running away from reality would be pretty accurate. Though something happens when I move my body, it takes about 20 minutes and the panic begins to stop and I feel calm. And in that calm space, I can think and plan and decide and then prepare myself for this breast cancer journey. You're listening to Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the solo female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced, long-distance backpacker, Blissful Hiker. This podcast is a series of personal essays I call audio narratives. They couple storytelling, found sound, and my own flute playing. And I explore a journey of self-discovery where I share the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment. We're badass people, and we don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. If you enjoy these podcasts, you can support them through Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or at blissfulhikerpodcast.com. The date is selected, and so is the surgery. A bilateral mastectomy. Breast amputation. Or maybe I should say breasts amputations. My choice is between taking out the tumor and radiating it, and then monitoring for the rest of my life, or, right now, getting all of the breast tissue out and gone, no radiation, and vastly reduced risk. That's kind of how it works in cancer. As my husband Richard would say, you're filleted, burned, or poisoned, or a little bit of all three. But doing just the filleting part, the surgery, may not improve my survivability in the long run, but it does stand a very good chance of vastly reducing the risk for future cancers. And this is because I have a kind of nasty type of cancer, lobular carcinoma, which tends to increase the risk in both breasts. Ugh, I know, it's awful, isn't it? Well, it's a bold decision, and it scares the heck out of me. But it's the best direction for the future blissful hiker. I mean, why would I want to spend time monitoring when I could just knock this whole thing out in one fell swoop? As one backpacking pal of mine remarked after I mentioned I'll go completely flat, think of the weight savings on trail. You're going to be even more ultralight. <laughs> An ultralight backpacker in the truest sense. When my surgery was rescheduled from last Friday to next week, 
a neighbor told me how great it would be to have more time to enjoy my boobies. She doesn't get it at all. I mean, it's more like having more time to agonize over what they'll find as far as the spread of disease. Well, worrying isn't going to alter the outcome. So I've decided to take my neighbor's somewhat crude advice and enjoy these final days with my boobies by looking back at my life as a woman. (laughs) Welcome to the first steps of the breast cancer trail. The celebrated author Judy Bloom has been in the news as of late because her teen-lit novel, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, was made into a movie. I have yet to see it, hoping not to spoil my own experience with the book at age 11, but I have listened to several interviews with Judy Bloom. Bloom was one of my idols for having taken the risk to talk frankly about adolescence and sexual awakening in a way that young people can relate to. But I was struck by a comment that she made regarding that time of a girl's life. She said that she does not know any adolescent girl who doesn't want to grow up and see her body change. Well, Ms. Bloom, meet Allison, the blissful hiker, I loved being a girl, and I was horrified when my hips widened and my chest expanded. Sure, I had massive crushes on boys and was happy to engage that piece of my life, but that didn't mean I wanted a curvy figure. My older brothers, two youngs and two stepbrothers, took notice in typical fashion, welcoming me to womanhood with constant teasing. I was called Sprouts, and later a much more vulgar monkey nips. I mean, it was just gross, and it was cruel. But it was more about them and their recognizing that all of us were changing. We were moving away from being kids to becoming adults, with all the anxiety that provoked. So much changed in those years, not just my figure. I no longer played with my brothers in the same way. We no longer saw the world in the same way. Now, I wouldn't describe it as a painful loss, but one that was bittersweet. The leggy little girl with scraped knees and elbows who scrambled up trees and rode her bike wearing her brother's hand-me-downs was no more. And just like Judy Bloom's Margaret, those days ushered in make-out parties. <laughs> That's where I joined other fumbling couples in darkened basements to learn the fine art of French kissing and getting felt up. I mean, it sounds much more salacious now than it was. We never went further than second base. And all I recall now of my chunky and greasy boyfriend named Lee was how he reeked of sweat. (laughs) Around this time, I also joined the ranks of Mean Girls, where we established exclusive cliques spread nasty rumors, and ghosted former friends. I wasn't the ringleader. That would be Kim. But I eagerly and shamefully participated. When I was in, we went after a girl named Eleni, a beautiful Greek girl who at 12 looked like a brunette Raquel Welch. Her curves frightened us, so we went on the attack. 
My special talent was drawing cartoons of a gigantic Eleni dressed in a gym suit with an extra, extra large on the tag. To the credit of a far more mature Eleni, she took it all in stride and just laughed at us. Finally, when it was my turn to fill out, Kim dropped me, telling everyone that I stuffed my bra. I still remember the shock on her face when she helped me with a quick change for the school play and saw my tiny champagne flutes that were very much real. Those wee champagne flutes, which I still possess as of this recording, are hardly what anyone would describe as curvy. I never took on the exaggerated proportions of a Venus of Willendorf, the Stone Age fertility mother goddess, or even of beautiful Eleni. Still, I was subjected to our society's objectification of women and overemphasis on external beauty. It often caused body dysmorphia and a sense that I wasn't enough as a smart and fit achiever, and then only as a perfect ten would I get the attention I craved. It's with a touch of wistfulness that I look back on that lovely woman I was and wonder why I wasted time on such superficialities. A perfect ten or not, I did get attention and enjoyed my body and what it could do, even if I never had children or used my breasts for their intended purpose. Over time, my champagne flutes began to sag, and they just got in the way. I've always been a person desiring streamlined simplicity in dress, in hairstyle, in makeup. I want less hassle, less sweaty, tight jog bras when out on the trail, or worse, in winter when dampness can bring on hypothermia. Less underwire digging into my bony chest, less pain and discomfort when moving. Eleven years ago, I had what turned out to be a benign mass removed and have met each and every mammogram with dread and fear. My grandmother died of breast cancer. My mother had precancerous cells removed. And I know the risks for me, which now have only increased. I've spoken often boldly over the years of just having them cut off, and yet never acted on it. I mean, who would? Not until now, when it's come down to endangering my life, does the option appear logical. My surgeon is great. She doesn't mince words, reminding me that this will be an emotional surgery, but that breasts are just skin and fat at this point in my life. A 58-year-old woman does not represent fertility and the continuation of the species. Rather, it's the breasts themselves that have become fertile, fertile ground for diseased cells, and I've got to let them go. Who will I be, flat-chested? What sort of initiation rites surround moving into a new chapter of my hopefully long life, a life of looking more like my pre-adolescent self? I gotta tell ya, I'm scared. Scared mostly of losing what really defines me. But what defines me is not my chest, but my spirit. So many women who I love and respect have had to make the same awful choice, and they tell me it set them free to live the most active and joyous years of their lives. Hearing that helps me now. It helps me imagine that kind of future for myself. 
So I guess it's time to say bye-bye, boobs, and thank you for the memories. Or would that be memories? Oh, my God. Groan. Blissful Hiker Podcast is on all podcast platforms. And tell me where you're listening from. You can drop me a line anytime at blissfulhiker.com. Next week, the breast cancer trail continues, but I promise it's not that bad. Life is good. And radical choices, you know what they do? They make for radical living. Until next week, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>